0: the opportunity to improve ourselves is always available. But often we don't see it or we choose not to see it. We can always become the better version, the upgrade, the more improved model of what we are. We just have to intervene in our own lives and see that we can become much better than we think we can be. Change is difficult. Change is very hard. I would never discount that. Every day we make decisions to try, to stay afloat, or to try to get ahead. It's incredibly hard. And certainly with the times we're living in right now, it is made even tougher. But it's still possible. We can make it. Today's guest is Kathleen Gage, and she's done quite a bit in her life to turn around her life and become the person she's wanted to become, Kathleen Gage. Well, welcome to a different type of world today that we're living in. It is different. uh, Right? (laughs) Very different. I know you say just came from a run, and that was awesome, but tell me about how things have been in your life as of late.
1: You know, they, they've they been crazy, just like everybody else. And, and I have to say that I was finding myself just getting sucked into the news. And mm-hmm. I woke up with the realization that if I kept doing that, I was going to believe all the hype that's going on. And, and not to say that there's not a real big problem going on. But I think uh, for me, what I, what I realized was I need to back away and get into some routines that give me a feeling of normalcy.
0: Yeah, I think there's... There's so much, um, information out there and there's a lot of very grim things going on and it's it's difficult. You know, you want to be present and know what's going on for your own knowledge, but also the exposure to or constant exposure to that can also be very difficult as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, a realization that I got Darian is that, um, uh, with everybody losing their jobs and businesses folding and a lot of things that are going on where literally the world is upside down for people. And I don't mean to minimize anybody losing their job, but I have to put the question out to people. How many people that no longer are working at any point said, I hate my job and I do anything not to be working here? And if you look at the mass consciousness of that, uh, you know, they got what they asked for. And again, I'm not minimizing what people are going through because as a small business owner, I've been going through some pretty dramatic changes. But what I found is by getting away from the news, getting away from all the negative talk and really looking at, okay, what's my responsibility in this and what can I do to turn things around for my business and my clients, uh, what I realize is this is a great opportunity for people to reinvent themselves themselves.
0: Yeah. I think we're, we're seeing that for a lot of people who um, now they're getting the time to really think about what do they want to pursue? You know, they're in many ways forced into pursuing different things and how do they want to go about doing that? Kind of the interesting thing is now that people have time, you know, there's time can be a funny thing. It, it can provide a lot of healing and a lot of help, but it also can provide a lot of procrastination as well in things.
1: Absolutely. And right now for the people that actually are filing for unemployment and they'll be getting their benefits, it's a great time for them to look at, okay, what do I want to do when when the dust settles on this and uh, what direction do I want to go in? Uh, Have I been thinking of going back to school? Have I been thinking of... uh, pursuing a certificate of achievement and or accomplishment. Recently, I got my certificate of completion through eCornell University for plant-based nutrition. And I thought the timing was perfect on that because a lot of people are changing their eating habits. And so um, on some level, I just knew the time had arrived for me to pursue that. And now I'm able to really utilize it.
0: So tell me a little bit, I want to go backwards a little bit, because I think it's good for audience to learn a little about the you know, people on the show and how you started out in life, where you're from and, and, uh, kind of the trajectory of things, uh, from You that. bet.
1: You bet. Well, I started out nearly 66 years ago. My 66th birthday is coming up and, oh, uh, when
0: is it? When's your birthday?
1: May 15th.
0: Oh, and, so close. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, do you have a May birthday coming up?
0: I have an April birthday, okay. April 22nd. So very uh, close.
1: <laughs> okay. That's awesome. And, um, I started my business 26 years ago. I actually was working in a corporate environment for GTE Health Systems. And I've been thinking a lot about this because during that period, I really wanted to start my own business. But there was a part of me that kept holding back, kept holding back. And um, I worked with a company that pr- about every three to four months was going through either a right sizing, a downsizing, an insizing, an outsizing, whatever you want to call it. They were laying people off. And I had gone through an experience at that time I was 40 years old at the time and um I actually had a threat of a heart attack and a threat with breast cancer, and it was during that time that I said, you know, I think the time has arrived for me to really go after what I want to go after, and yet I still had some fear. Once I made the decision, though, it was really interesting because uh, right after I made the decision, I was in the hospital over the 4th of July weekend uh, when I was 40, and I thought, okay, life is too short. I have to go out and do what I, I want to do. Went back to my... my uh, company and I was gonna give my resignation and one of the directors said, Don't don't do that. Not yet. We're gonna have a layoff and we need numbers. Would you be willing to be laid off? And I'm like Okay. And she goes, we'll give you a severance package if you do. And that'll give you the seed money to start your business. And I thought, wow, if that's not divine intervention, I don't know what is. And I've been thinking a lot about that during this period right now, that this is a great opportunity for a lot of people to really move forward with what they say they want to do. So back to what, what my background is. I've been in marketing. I've been in broadcast media. I've been in sales. And when I started my business, I did the exact opposite of what I advise people now, which is I didn't really have the uh, foundation in place to start my business other than my severance package. So I really had to work my backside off to make it work. Um, and a lot of what I have created in my business has been done so with um, just figuring it out as I go along. And then I finally got smart enough to realize if I had coaches and if I had mentors, then I could cut the uh, learning curve considerably. And so probably, I'd say about uh, 15 years ago, I started hiring mentors for specific parts of my business. And I have reinvented myself several times, but in a nutshell, my primary focus with my clients is helping them to get visibility and get their message out to market.
0: Tell me a little bit about your, um, well, I want to hear, I have a couple of things, but I want to hear about the, like the hiring mentors in different areas. Tell me about that experience.
1: Yeah, well, I have to say that I've had some of the best in the world, literally the best in the world. I was in uh, Brendan Burchard's Mastermind for a period of time. Uh, Tom Antion was a coach to me. Um, Matt Basic. And in the internet marketing world, Matt's name is is, uh, as good as it gets. Uh, Suzanne Evans was one of my mentors. And for the most part, I had great experiences. Every so often, I would have somebody that actually I knew more than they did. And they didn't have, they really didn't have the skill to be a really good mentor. But I would say 90% of the time, my mentors have been great. Um, The thing that I had to work through was the kind of investment that I was going to make to have these coaches. Like with Suzanne Evans, I think the investment was about $30,000 a year. Now that was just the investment for her time. That didn't include the travel. That didn't include all the expenses when I would go to masterminds. That didn't include all the changes I was making in my business. But She helped me to really fine tune some things that desperately needed fine tuning. And I remember the the first time I went to see her, I, I went for a four hour mastermind and before I invested in the full year and I it was close to $16,000 for that four hour session. She gave me one idea and that one idea made me $50,000. Over the years, I've made substantial amounts of money. And it's not just the money, but it's the mindset that she really worked with her clients on. Um, And so I would say that what I learned from hiring coaches and consultants is if I make the investment, then why not do what they say? Because with every coach, even the ones that weren't the best of the best, but the, if I listened to what they had to say, if I implemented, chances are I was going to have some kind of a good outcome from it.
0: And so in your mind, what were the, what was the criteria for being a good coach or a mentor?
1: One is they had to actually walk the talk. If if they claimed to be an expert at something, I wanted proof that they truly were an expert at that, uh, whether it be um, systems that I wanted to put in place, whether it was a health coach, because I've hired health coaches too, uh, whether it was a business strategist, um, I wanted to make sure that they really knew what they were doing. And I also checked references. It, it's if they had testimonials on their website, I would actually pick up the phone and call people and say, okay, I see that, You said so and so is is a really great coach. Tell me about your experience. So I did my due diligence because one of the things that I know happens to a lot of people is they think one person is gonna be their saving grace and that one person is gonna fix all their problems. And it doesn't work that way. What really has to happen and for me, whenever I hire a coach, I wanna make sure that they're gonna give me the information I need. They're they're gonna hold my feet to the fire, they're not gonna uh let, I tend to be rather assertive and I don't want somebody that's going to let them stop them from giving me the insights I need to have. So um, part of the process is I I do my due diligence and then I make the commitment that once I make the investment, I'm going to do the work. You
0: know, it was interesting. I mean, all those things are, are fantastic, but I was kind of really um, kind of clung on to the references part. And which is interesting because I think that I actually think that's a very important part of it. I know in my business with live virtual, I always tell people thinking about doing, it, I said, you are more than welcome to contact all of my clients. They are all references. You can talk to them and they will give you the honest truth about what that, what the bit, what it actually is like to work with me. I that. do the
1: same thing. I I, had a woman- I think it's very oh, important absolutely. to at least
0: offer it up to people, you know?
1: Absolutely. Because yesterday I was talking with a woman that we might be setting up a podcast show for her. And I said, uh, can I give you the names of uh, some people that I'm more than happy for you to call? You can go through my client list and and call these people. And she goes, oh, no, no, I've been following you for quite a while. And I already know that you're the real deal. Um, And I think that's important for people to look at is you can look really good on paper, you can look really good on the internet. But how do you really how do you deliver? Um, And I think what's really important, Darian, for people to realize is that it's going to take work, you know, a lot of people will hire a coach or buy a program thinking that that's going to fix all of their problems. And the reality is, is that might be the start of their problems if they're not willing Mm. to do the work.
0: That's so true. Um, I mean, I think it's a good metaphor for, and we're going to talk about, you know, kind of your health and wellness. And, you know, when we were talking about, I think a topic we were discussing was like basically, you know, kind of defying aging, aging in a way that is not like expected, you know, that Mm -hmm. you're just going to let yourself go, yada, yada, yada. But I think the work part is a very large problem in our society is that we see the, the cover page, and we don't look at the rest of the pages in terms of of work and that Absolutely. these things require real concerted effort, um, a very consistent effort. Why do you think I mean, maybe it's obvious, but I think in your I would love to hear from other people's points of views. Why do you think the work part is the most difficult part? I mean.
1: Well, I think we've become a push button, button society. Mm. It's like uh, we want results and we want them right now. And in reality, any kind of result that's going to be a lasting and sustainable result uh, takes time. And uh, we didn't get where we're at overnight. and We're not going to change it overnight. And I look at the current situation with COVID-19. Um, if you really look at the underlying causes for the people that are, are actually uh, being impacted the most as far as um, whether they're ending up in ICU, they're on ventilators, or they die, most of them have underlying causes. So it's not like COVID-19 is the only cause there were behaviors that came before that. And I know that this is going to upset some people because they're like, oh, no, no, it's COVID-19. And it's like, no, it's not. It's you track it back to what's their eating protocol? What's their exercise protocol? Were they overweight? Because 70% of the people that are dying are actually obese. And so you, you put it into context of like, okay, What did you do leading up to the fact that you became a very high risk? And not just with COVID-19, but so many of the diseases that we have today. And that actually translates into our business, that a lot of businesses have cancers just growing throughout them. And it has to do with our attitude. It has to do with our work ethic. It has to do with the way we treat our clients and our customers. It has to do with delivery on products and services. Um, So I think that if people would just step back and get really honest about how much they're willing to play full out and how committed they are to excellence, a lot could change.
0: Yeah. You know, and I would say, you know, and speaking on this, that um, I, I'm speaking for you a little bit here. Obviously, I I would not, you are not insensitive about what's going on with people. I'm sure you're very touched and moved by, you know, the difficult things that are going on, family members losing people. Uh, but I think and also, you could also point out that at the same time, and I've had these discussions with people, is that it also highlights um, the real issue that we have in our country with health and wellness. And in the sense that um, if COVID-19 is dominating our news totally and totally get that. But if If you looked at the news before that, and you paid attention to the health and wellness of our country before all this happened, there is a real problem before that. Absolutely, a real it, like like it wasn't getting coverage, but it was a huge problem before this. Well,
1: you know, a lot of it gets covered up because if you if you follow the money, you realize that a lot of the health issues are directly related to profits and bottom line. Mm-hmm. And the in in the United States alone, every year six hundred and seventy five thousand people um, die as a result of heart disease, and most heart disease is preventable. People say, "Well, it's in my genes," and it's like, "No, it's in the recipes that." were passed down in your family. Uh, how you eat and your lack of exercise or your involvement in exercise really plays a factor into how healthy you're going to be. If you look at diabetes, 99% of type 2 diabetes is preventable and reversible. And yet a lot of people would rather have insulin than change their eating protocol. And so I, I think that you're, you're so spot on with the, the fact that a lot of that was downplayed. But then if you look at um, the food manufacturers, you look at big pharma, you look at, you know, you just follow the money. And you realize that there are a lot of cover ups as a result of uh, there's a, a Group of people that are profiting from what's going on right now, and again, I don't want to sound like it's a conspiracy theory, but I think that people should pull back the veil and really investigate what's going on, and don't just assume that because something's on the news
0: that it's fact. Oh, sure, for sure. I think it's, it's a real spider web. All those. Oh, things. it is. You know, it goes it is. in a lot of ways, you know, and I just think that. Before all this hit, I mean, for many decades, I mean, we've had a real issue, a growing issue with health in our country, overall health, all the different metrics related to it, um, hypokinetic diseases and things of that nature. And I think just sometimes when large events happen, and this obviously being probably the largest in that sense, it highlights or it provides a magnifying glass for what's happening underneath all these stories.
1: Absolutely. Well, in my in my case with my mother, I saw my mother die a very painful death, and it had to do with her lifestyle choices. I was her caretaker for a couple of years, and it was. Um, it was sad to watch the pain that she was going through end of life. And much of that was by her own design. And yet I did what any loving daughter would do. I was there for my mother. And and she at one point, she said, this was my fault, wasn't it? And I said, Well, you can dwell on that. Or you can just live the rest of your life out to the best of your ability. I said, let's not let's not hash that, it's not out.
0: that. yeah,
1: uh, yeah. But um, myself at one point, I was about 60 pounds heavier than I am now. And my doctor told me, she said, either you lose weight and you get your health under control, or we're going to put you on medication for high blood pressure because you're ready to have a stroke and you're ready to have a heart attack. You're not a kid anymore. And it was interesting because it was during the time that I was caretaking my mother that I really let my health go because I was so stressed out that I ate a lot of sugar. I ate a lot of donuts and cooked And I mean, the exact opposite of how I am today. And at that time, I really wish that I would have known back then what I know now about the eating protocol that I'm on now. I'm completely plant-based. I don't do any animal products, no dairy products. And if I would have eaten back then how I eat now, I wouldn't have been as stressed out. And that's the thing for people to look at also is how do their... uh, food protocols and their drinking protocols contribute to their stress levels.
0: Yeah, certainly. So how are you, you know, you mentioned being 66 and you have a birthday coming up and what is your view on how maybe let's say society or people in your age group view aging and health and wellness?
1: Oh, you know, it really depends who you talk to, Darian. Uh, you know, there's some people that they say, okay, it's I'm older, and of course, I'm going to gain weight, and of course, I'm going to have high blood pressure and diabetes and all the diseases that come with aging. And then there's a whole different segment of the population that we believe that we do have control over things, and we we can make better choices. Now, there are certain things we don't have control over, and, uh, you know, a lot is evident right now now of what we don't have control over. But I had the choice today to go out on a run before we had our conversation or to not go on a run. Uh, I have the choice every single day of what I put in my mouth. I have a choice of what kind of exercise I do to a degree now because I used to go to the gym every day. But obviously right now that's not possible. But um, there's a whole different group of people that we actually are doing all we can to reverse the aging process in a way that it gives us a more vibrant life. Because the fact is, with our healthcare system, you can keep people alive a lot longer than you used to. And I'm one of those people, I don't care about the quantity of years, I care about the quality of years. And I want to give every year the best I can.
0: Why do you think that? Is it does it go back to, well, let me circle back kind of, why do you think that it hasn't caught on as much, excluding what's happening now. I mean, it's hard to say that, but just in a vacuum, a conversation before all this happened, why do you think that it has been such an uphill battle to have people have that attitude?
1: That is a really good question. And I think a lot of it has to do with personal responsibility and, uh, that, um, it requires change and it does require people get out of their comfort zone because a lot of people are in a comfort zone that they they have certain behaviors they repeat over and over and over again, whether it be that they come home from work and they plop themselves on the couch, they uh, sit there and stuff their face and they, they drink to excess and that's their comfort zone. Where other people are saying, no, no, I'm not going to do that and I'm willing to take responsibility. So really what I think it is, Darian, is people
0: taking personal
1: responsibility for the choices that they make.
0: How do you combat that with, let's say, somebody who was born into a situation that's just very grim and they haven't been shown any way for like their fear for their health because they live in an environment where guns are completely overthrowing their community and violence? And how do you combat that?
1: That's a great question. And I don't know if you can 100%. I really don't. But I think with the information available on the internet that more and more everyday people have the availability of information that can be that little window of opportunity. Now, I'm speaking from the perspective of one, at one point, I was obese. And at one point, I was a blackout drinker, I've been sober for 36 years. And at that point in my life, I didn't think there was a way out. And it it took somebody to say, you know, here's a solution. And at the time, it seemed so far removed from my reality that I, I wasn't able to grasp it. But it literally Really was after a blackout drinking spree that I, I came to. And I was thinking about all the things that were happening in my life and not happening in my life and the wreckage that I had created. And the words from certain people were ringing in my ears. And it was like, okay, maybe for one day, I cannot drink. And one day turned into two turned into a year. And 36 years later, here I am, uh, still clean and sober. So I think, you know, for me, it's like, Oftentimes, people will look at my life and say, well, you don't know what it's like. And it's like, well, actually, yes, I do. I I was in a a relationship at one point that was an abusive relationship. So I know what it's like to be in that kind of a relationship. And today, my standards are different. Today, I've chosen to do it differently. But I don't know that everybody can leave the situation they're in because we're, in many ways, we're a very broken world. But in many ways, there's a lot of hope.
0: Welcome to the intermission of Dr. D's social network. I wanted to take the time in this space to say we will get through all of this. We will prevail. It seems dark in many corners of the world, but light is always there. Don't let your light be dimmed by everything you see. It is difficult, and you can't question that. But there is a light very far ahead, in the distance. Hold on to that. Keep it close to you. You'll see it soon. Yeah, no, I think both of those things can be true. Which, Mm -hmm. you know, on that, which uh, sometimes people would like to put things in a more black and white terms, but I mean, there's a lot of duality in life and a lot of gray as well with that. Absolutely. And I wonder with aging, I I feel like I'm fascinated with aging on some level in the sense (laughs) of like- Let me tell you about aging. (laughs) Well, you know, it's like, I had another lady on Amy Gubern, she's 60, she looks amazing. She, and you would never know. I mean, look at her like, wow, it's just, I often get this thought in my head, you know i'm i'm going to be 42 and sometimes when i have video and stuff people say you do not look that age like wow that's mm-hmm. you know whatever and i always think this is this is not natural what we're doing to ourselves and this this tremendous metamorphosis and and how we look over the years and and how we and i mean in a negative way this kind of obviously you change you get older and stuff but this kind of metamorphosis of Literally becoming looking like a completely different human being than you looked like before in your youth, like unrecognizable. Right. Because right. of different things. It, it like blows my mind. You know, I'm like, it's, it's just, I, I, I'm so fascinated by that. And I learned about all about the mechanics of it and in, in college and stuff and functionality and all that. But it's still, I don't know. It, it's, it's, when I meet somebody like yourself at your age, I go, like, again, this is available. You know, I mean, absolutely. Mind blowing magic here or something, you know, like,
1: well, I think the the greatest way to influence others and impact others with what's possible is to live the part. And so when, when I talk to other women, my age, and they say, well, you don't understand. It's like, well, actually, yes, I do. And it's by day by day choices. I have a friend who is going to turn 70 in a about a month or so, and looks fantastic. And she was actually in her early 60s when she started seriously exercising. Mm-hmm. She changed the way she was eating and turned her whole life around. And she shows before and after pictures, and it's it's shocking. Um, and and uh, she actually started a Facebook group for older women who want to live vibrant lives. And in order to be a member of that group, you have to commit to follow the guidelines, which is you're going to exercise, you're going to eat right, you're going to share what you're doing as far as your exercise, and you're going to be involved in the community. And she actually has kicked people out because they're not playing mm. by the rules. And it's her group. It's her rules.
0: Yeah, it's her um, group, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
1: and But what's really exciting is to watch her reverse her own aging process. And um, she actually does a, a keynote called You're Killing Your Business Because You're Killing Yourself. And it's all wow. about how businesses, you know, I think what we're seeing right now with the COVID-19 and businesses collapsing and people collapsing, I think that everything is so interconnected that we are getting the, the real view of years and years, decades of uh, behaviors that have gotten us to this point, and we're either gonna we're gonna either die through it, or we're gonna get through it and thrive and make the changes that need to be ch- uh, made.
0: Well, what's interesting if you take even uh, the behavior of the environment, we're seeing incredible changes to our climate, and and well, more of like how the environment has changed. You know, water is becoming clearer. Right. and pollution in the air dissipating in record levels quickly because of what we've done, our behavior throughout the years. We've stopped a lot of people from doing stuff, and the planet was like, thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, So yeah. quick. It's amazing oh. how quickly these things have changed because of the intervention, in and in a weird intervention, obviously, of pulling people out of the system has caused a healing Absolutely amazing. Well,
1: you know, and it's it's interesting because I just saw something that in China, uh, what was the city where they had the wet market and this all started?
0: I I'm I can't not even sure uh, the. Uh, I'm years, not sure I, Wuhan. Yeah. I think yeah,
1: Wuhan. Yeah, and apparently they're lifting some of the restrictions, and there are some people who are complying by the guidelines that were set up to minimize the risk, and other people that are going right back into old behaviors. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, have we not learned anything? And, and I think that this is such a great opportunity for us to look at how things are reversing very quickly. Like you say, the environment and the clear water and the fish are returning and the dolphins are mm-hmm. swimming and the birds are chirping. And we're, it's like, we, we can do this even more than we have, we can reverse it. And we can have the, the very things that we say we want, we can have if we're willing to set some guidelines, have some boundaries and change some,
0: uh, some of the behaviors. Like the, the key phrase, if we're willing (laughs) to do that, it's absolutely, I was, I had a podcast earlier, I was recording and we were chatting and I was saying, you know, we were wondering how will history view this time and our behavior change from this time? I said, it's hard to know. I'm like, we will only know after time. Absolutely. Time will be the great teller of the story. And will we have better behaviors from this? I don't know. I mean, I I think optimistically, I want to believe that we will do better in many areas. I just don't know. You know, I, I don't know. And
1: I think that it's important for those of us that have a more of an awareness of how important behaviors are, that we be willing to step forward and speak our truth. Um, for example, the, the the whole thing about uh, eating behaviors and that, you know, certain things that you put in your body can actually trigger the virus and other things that can minimize the risk and the obesity. And, you know, at a few years ago, I probably wouldn't have shared that kind of information for fear of being judged. But the reality is, is people are dying. And we have to do what we can to save the planet. We have to do what we can to help people live a more quality life. And I do animal rescue. And I see Wonderful. things going on with you know how animals are treated. And everything is so connected that I think there there needs to be more people willing to step forward and speak their truth without judging other people, without saying, you know, you're wrong for doing whatever you're doing. But here's here's an option. Here's a choice. Here's a different direction you can go that will give you the quality of life that you say you want.
0: Yeah. I've been talking to a variety of people and, and saying like, man, this has to wake up our health consciousness of our country in the sense of, um, it's really hard to see so many deaths and things. It's just, it's terrible, you know, yes. and I feel for all those families and things going on. But I also hope that maybe we can be healthier and at least have a better fighting chance against things, you know, um, and that I always tell myself, like, if I'm going down, at least I'm going down knowing that I gave myself a really good shot at being as healthy as I could possibly be Absolutely. With that. And I, and I won't regret that, you know, I can't, you know, you can't control everything obviously. And sometimes things just happen and you may get something in your life you didn't foresee happening and it may be terminal for you, you know, no matter what you've done. But I think for me, I always think, have I, have I done as many of the things that I can to help me buffer myself enough as much as possible? And I, I'm hopeful that people will look at that over time and say, you know, after this is slowly dissipates and all that, that like, I want to give myself the best shot. Right. Possible.
1: Well, and you know, what I'd like to add to that is don't wait, start right now. Like people say, well, when this is over, wh- when is it going to be over? It's, it's never going to be over. I mean, the, after this, there's going to be something else and something else. And so why not start right here, right now? And in the food choices, for example, if you know something you're eating, like a lot of processed sugar, if you know, that's not good for you, give it up today. And yes, it is hard. I mean, nobody said this was going to be easy, but they sure said it was going to be worth it. And so I would invite people to really look at the things you know intuitively that are not serving you. And you know, intuitively, they're not helping your health. If anything, they're hindering your health. And give yourself a fighting chance. You know, do what you can to live the best quality of life starting right here, right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that's sometimes people, they look at people who are championing health and wellness and say, well, look at this, you know, you're, you just think you're going to do all these things great. And then, you know, you're just like, no, I, bad things can happen to me too. And I may be doing all of this and I may get, you know, terminal cancer and I may get whatever disease type of thing. It, It, of course it could happen, but I don't have regrets Absolutely,
1: absolutely. How, you know, and
0: that's it's it's not always necessarily the physical aspect of it. It's the emotional, social, spiritual aspect of knowing, like, I have peace, knowing that I've I've done everything I really could have done to give myself the best shot. You're that's so really correct on that.
1: Yeah, because it, we're not a hundred percent exempt from the possibility of. Uh, contracting cancer or whatever the virus yeah. whatever it may be but we can minimize our risk for example i'm at very high risk for colon cancer um i've they found precancerous uh, polyps in me and so i you know i know that i'm at high risk well if i continue a certain behavior that amplifies that risk shame on me. If I do everything in my power to get a lot of fiber in my system and exercise and, and do everything to minimize it, and I still get it, well, I gave it a fighting chance.
0: Yeah. I think that's all you want. You want to be able to come to the table with all of your, all the components there and said, I've done 90% well, hopefully I've done the best that I was able to do. And the cards are going to be what they're going to be. Absolutely, point, you know.
1: Well, I, I have a client that I just, I just adore. This woman, she had a stroke six years ago. She wrote a book called Stroke For, Forward, and she chronicles her experience of the stroke, and then her husband becoming her advocate, and how she had to become her own advocate. And I. I coach her and mentor her in getting a lot of visibility through podcast interviews. And I love working with her because she goes, okay, tell me what to do and I will go do it. And a lot of times clients will say something like that and you tell them what to do and they come back and they go, well, is there something else I could do? That's a little, that's a little more than I want to do. I don't want to pick up the phone or I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. With Marsha, I tell her what to do. I say, okay, here's the strategy. Go out and do it. She does it. She gets a great result. She started doing podcast interviews maybe two or three months ago, Mm -hmm. and she's already done about 30 podcast interviews. And there are other people that they drag their feet and they say, oh, I'm not getting any results. And I say, well, what are you doing? And they go... Well, I was researching and it's like, okay, enough of the research, pick up the phone or send me <laughs> an email. It, you know, you got to do the work. It's like somebody who wants to get in, in great shape. They want to build muscle and they want to get rid of body fat and they join a, a gym and then they never show up to the gym or they show up and all they do is sit around and talk to people. It's like, no, no, no. You got to use the equipment.
0: Yeah, You can't just research podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you got to actually be on them.
1: It's like, you what know, a concept.
0: What a concept. <laughs> you just got to do it. You may not have everything figured out, but you just got to go in there and do it and you'll get better every time you're on one and you'll absolutely you'll find your groove, but you just, it's repetition, you know, it's a muscle, you know, like anything it's getting on, doing it, speaking, getting comfortable, um, in representing yourself and the way you'd like to be represented and answering questions and, and, the, you know, the whole thing, but we, we definitely spend a lot of time kind of, uh, hovering around stuff, you know, <laughs> in our oh, society. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's called busy work.
0: Yeah. And which is interesting, I think, about the quarantine aspect of a lot of this we're facing is people are now having to spend time discovering who they actually are. In many ways. this
1: is interesting, you know, when when you read posts from people saying, I'm so bored. I just, you know, I don't know what to do with my time. And I'm like, really? And and <laughs> I when I first got into uh 12 step programs, I had a sponsor that I used to say, I'm just so bored, you know, my life is too boring now. And she goes, If you're bored, that means you're boring. And that's always stuck with me. It's like, okay, I'm never gonna say I'm bored again. <laughs> I don't but be seriously, <laughs> you read these these tweets and these Facebook posts by people saying, I just can't stand. That I, you know, that I can't go out, and it's like, go clean a closet, go organize (laughs) that that room that you said you've been wanting to organize, go uh, write thank you cards to people, pick up the phone and call people. Do something that you you feel like you have a sense of completion in. Um, and I think that would help a lot of people is if they actually had little projects where every day they had one little project. And by finishing that project, they have a sense of accomplishment. Because I think that's really where people are challenged right now. They're not feeling like they're accomplishing anything. But there's so much internal work they could do. They could yeah. throw on videos on YouTube from you know some of their favorite spiritual teachers or religious leaders leaders and i mean lots that can be done
0: i think it's you know it sounds i mean those are wonderful things i think for a lot of people they just they haven't really sat down and thought about that stuff they may be just their knee-jerk reaction is i'm bored but they haven't done the work and actually sitting down and mapping it out and saying what can i do during this time you know I'm, I'm in the middle of
1: writing another book right now, and it, it hit me that what a great time for me to write a book on plant-based eating, to really dig deep and, and write one and, you know, add in information about how to minimize your risk for uh, viruses and, you know, everything that's going on right now. What a great opportunity for people to capture that, that, information and write a book or write blog post or go and look for podcast opportunities but do some content marketing get your your beliefs and your message out to market what what a incredible opportunity
0: that is the ones i mean the time is just available for so many people, I you know.
1: It is. And the one that I have to laugh at, the, the people, I think I just I so adore this these kind of comments, the introverts who say, hey, I've been quite happy spending time on my own. And now everybody else is wanting to spend time with me. And it's like, <laughs> no. So these people are very happy with themselves. And all of a sudden, all these other people want to hang out with them. But, uh, you know, it, and it's interesting because husbands and wives and, and yeah. uh, partners, um, they're having to learn how to have a whole different different type of relationship because, um, many couples have not spent a lot of time with each other. And all of a sudden they're, they're in a very confined area. And it's like, Oh, I don't know if I even like this person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: just telling
0: a connection of mine and a client. I was like, I think a lot of people are going to Come to the conclusion they may not actually like that person. With, absolutely, you know? and absolutely. other people they fall in love even more with each other. Uh, I think in about nine months we're going to see a lot of babies being born. Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of babies, divorces, and yeah, realizations. And I think you know, it, like in anything, it, the pendulum swings both ways. There'll be a lot of unhappiness. There'll be a lot of happiness, saving of marriages, crumbling of marriages. You know, it just it's just you're having to look. Deep within yourself because you're stuck with somebody. It's just like being in a cabin out in the middle of nowhere and you get stuck in a snowstorm, except it's a very long, protracted snowstorm that you're not getting out of anytime soon, it looks like. like. You have to confront the realities that are in front of you.
1: Well, and it's a fluid process. It's like right now I'm in a great state of mind because I did what I needed to do for me and and I have a process. And if I don't do that tomorrow, then I'm not going to be in a real good state of mind. I know that if I turn on the news right away and I bombard myself with all this negative information, I'm going to have a pretty miserable day. But if I start my day and you know, here's the thing, Darian, that a lot of people don't realize is sometimes serenity And, uh, joy and gratitude takes effort. It's like, we don't just necessarily wake up feeling great. We may wake up and all of a sudden the reality of what's going on is hitting us. And it's like, okay, how do I reframe that? And for me, what I do is I meditate in the morning. I do some yoga. I do some journaling. I read something inspirational. I've been turning on YouTube and watching Eckhart Tolle. I really like his work. Uh, And then I go on a run. And even if it's raining, I'm going to go on a run. And, uh, you know, so those are the things that for me, I do to put me in the right state of mind. So I would invite people to look at what's a, just a real simple process that you could implement every single day. Um, Elrod has a really good book called, uh, the miracle morning, where he's got a great process in there that gives you a framework of something you can do to start your day off. Right. Um, there's the gentleman who wrote the, um, oh gosh, it's the, the five minute rule of something. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't think of the name of the book, but um, uh, there's a lot of people who have morning strategies that they teach that are powerful, powerful resources,
0: but it It takes effort. It does. It's so true. I I remember um, one is so simple. I mean, my parents taught it to me and, um, and I thought, wow, this is so simple, but it's, it's so simple that it's mind blowing. It's just like, I've learned in my life that a majority of people I know do not make their bed when they get up in the morning. They just kind of leave it crazy. And I'm like, but if you make your bed when you get up, you've actually completed a task very quickly. Ooh, I like that. And uh, I forget a very famous admirable, admirable, I'm, t- I'm saying this word, admiral. Ad- admiral. <laughs> admiral. Yeah, Admiral. That I admiral. <laughs> At a commencement speech, I had it. I read it to my staff one time many years ago. And he talked a lot about that, just about, you know, make your bed in the morning, do something very simple as making it very nice and tight and making it look neat. And he said, you may think you're just, I'm going to get back in it later or whatever, but you're leaving things undone, you know, and. That's a good point. Yeah. Just did it done. And then you'll have said, I did one thing today. And for a lot of people just accomplishing one small thing like that is a huge victory. Yeah. You know? That's a, I, I
1: like that. And actually I'm, glad to say that I have accomplished my task for the day. (laughs) You are a bed maker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I am a bed maker. Yes, I am. So got to be careful how we say that. Are you a bed maker or a (laughs) bed? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like make
0: your bed in the morning. It's such a thing. It's, but it says something like completing a task, even how small and trivial that may seem is that, okay, I got up and I would do it. My parents would make your bed, make your bed. And I was like, all through college, the first thing I did when I got up in the morning was make my bed, and uh, soon, literally, the minute I got up, I was making it, making it look nice, and I've always kept that with me, and I do it with my daughter. I'm like, make your bed in the morning. Make it look nice. Take care of your things. It's important to have responsibility over the things you've been given and treat them right. And that's a simple thing, but it can launch your day. Absolutely. And, and, you know,
1: it's so interesting because the, it's the simple things and the small things in life that build up to big successes. And a lot of people, they want to go from no success to having massive success without anything (laughs) in between. And one of the best um, training grounds I had for how to run a business was, by running a marathon, because there was training involved, there were uh, benchmarks that you had, there were certain uh, equipment that made your runs better than other equipment, certain uh, gels that you would take to keep the carbohydrates high. You know, so there were there were strategies that gave you an edge over other people if you did that or over yourself really because with marathons it's in most cases unless you're a professional marathoner but for most of us it's just finishing the cross line without dying i mean that you know that <laughs> that, that i had people say are you going to take first it's like oh heck if i can just cross the finish line and i don't die i'm i've won and quite seriously because i did my first marathon at 60 or 61 Amazing. and Yeah, it it was a late life sport for me. uh, But it really taught me how to stick with things. uh, Because there are benchmarks during the race where you want to quit. And you know, five miles is a benchmark 10 miles. For me, it was 19 miles where I was literally crawling. I mean, I, I hit a wall and I was just in pain. And I had in that split second, I had to make the decision. Do I quit and wonder if I could have done it or do I endure the pain? And if I have to crawl across the finish line, I'm going to do it. And I it took me a long time i was the last one in i will you know i will say i'm not a fast runner by any stretch but it taught me something about myself and what i had to do was dig deep and in life and especially right now with what we're going through people have to dig deep you know this is not a surface level thing folks this is the real deal of life and this is the real deal of you know finding out what we're made of and what we're willing to do for other people and i think it's so important right now for people to look at the judgments they have of other people or the prejudices that they have. We're in this deal together. And it's not just in the United States. It's in Canada, Mexico, all over the world. It's like, let's have more unity than separation
0: and we'll get through it a lot nicer. What's interesting too, is that, um, you know, at least in my lifetime, you know, there, I mean, there've been several big events. I mean, living through nine 11 and all that, that was very Mm -hmm. personal. My dad was in the Pentagon when the plane Mm. hit all those things. I didn't know if he was alive, but you know, there's certain moments in the span of our history, maybe the last 100, 150 years, where there have been some really knocked down, come together moments as a human species. And for a lot of people, you know, they haven't had that, oper- they haven't had that, fa- they haven't been faced with that in their lifetime. And now as all of us are that are alive here, we're being faced with something that our past ancestors have, have been faced with. You know, and talk about the Spanish flu in nineteen eighteen. Like we would have never comprehended that, you know, I mean, we're not at that point, obviously, in terms of like how many people passed away, but we're being confronted with something pretty much just as serious. And that is traveling the globe. And it's testing us and and our humanity. Absolutely. And, and so we need to come together more than ever and be more tender and caring and loving and think about how we can be supportive of each other. But it's in, in human history, there are times when things on this level happen. And as you said, this will not be the last time disease will hit our planet like this. It, right. It right. just won't. And not if we continue, especially doing what we're doing in uh, you know, our, our relationship with animals and deforestation and all that is a large contribution to de- these types of things. You know? It
1: really is, and you know, I think uh, what I would invite people to do is again, kind of check the the process of how we got where we're at. Do some reverse engineering. Go back right. to, for those people who choose to eat meat, you know, that's your choice. But I would invite people to actually look at. Where does that meat come from? And some people say, well, I don't want to know because then I wouldn't want to eat it. And it's like that's the idea. If you knew, I mean, if you in all good conscience can say, I'm in complete alignment with what I say to be true and the actions I'm taking. And I think that's a a really important thing for people to look at is are you saying that you believe certain things And are you in alignment with those beliefs? For example, a lot of people say that they're so spiritual and they trust God or they trust the universe. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of this, they're saying, I can't take it. I'm, you know, I'm just in all this fear. It's like, wait a minute, where's the trust? It's like, apply all the strategies you've learned, use the tools that you have. And it doesn't mean that you won't get off the beam, but if you have the tools, you got to use them.
0: (laughs) And that is, is a the tools for all things that you're into, you know, and the, the spirituality one, I think is one is really interesting because, um, you know, I, I have faith, you know, I've been a Christian my entire life pretty much. And, you know, the tools are there and whether it's Christianity or whatever you're into, you know, that gives you comfort and, and is loving and kind. You can't forget that that stuff is there to help you weather difficult times. It's not there for your constant joy joyfulness all the time and you know all the celebrations it it's it's a part of that too but it's also extremely valuable when you're feel like you have nothing going on and you're absolutely. down absolutely that's when that's the bridge and you have to remember that
1: well and that's well so well said because it's like the truest, um, definition of a Christian is one who is loving and one who is there to help others. And, you know, I think for all religions that ultimately it's, there's a underlying thread where there's so many similarities. And if we can look at the similarities between us and other people, um, I think we're going to get a lot further ahead than if we look for all the differences.
0: Totally agree. Well, Kathleen, um, I've always enjoyed our interactions. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And, uh, thank you for being on mine and, um, please be safe and be well. Yeah.
1: I, I appreciate it. It's been great to have this conversation and I just so appreciate all the work that you're doing in the world.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.